Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. Because, well, sex matters. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy. All right. Welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 19, and it's called Why Communication is Lubrication. Ooh, I love this one already. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a this is an episode that we have had on the list to do for a long time, and I'm so glad that we're finally getting to it because communication is really one of the keys. It's one of the foundational pieces of any relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And unfortunately, what we see with a lot of clients that we work with is bad communication or no communication. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, that's another form of bad communication, but just not really communicating at all. And, and so, um, before we continue too much with it, I think it would be really cool if we sort of, uh, explain what we mean by, oh, they have bad communication or they're not communicating at all. Like we'll we'll give you some examples of what we mean. Mm -hmm. So I was just working with a client, um, over the past few days and, uh, he has been with his wife for 25 years and he was realizing that they don't know much about each other when it comes to things that do matter. Sure. They will strategize. They will talk about business. They will, um, talk maybe about like things to do around the house, kids and things like that. But when it comes down to, well, what does she like? What does he like? Like, what do they need? They're like, I don't know. Like, I have no clue. And um, he was coming from a place of like, I don't even know how to start that conversation again. And so this is like really one extreme of like letting him go for so long, being into that place of like, well, we're in that comfort zone of like not really talking. And then it's like, well, how am I going to like rock that boat? Like, Hey, where's your clitoris, by the way? You know, it's like we've never even said the word out loud. And now I'm like using all these terms and asking about how do you like to orgasm? It's like, well, how do you go from like not sharing anything to being able to start to bring those things into the bedroom? Yeah, and we'll get into the strategies on how. But imagine being with somebody for 20 years mm-hmm. and not even knowing what their likes and dislikes in the bedroom are. Yeah. And it's, you know, he was very sad about that. And, you know, he was in his mid fifties and he realized that that's not the way to live. And there was tremendous, like, like a sadness and a realization that, Hey, I've probably already lived half my life and I'm not even living it fully. Yes. And it's never too late. It's, it's exactly. never too late to start. Exactly. So, so that's obviously one extreme case. That's I would consider that to be more in the uh, no communication. Of and, and I don't mean to say that they don't communicate at all, but obviously they're not having certain types of conversations. So it's mm-hmm. not like they're trying to have a certain type of conversation and it's not going well. It's like they're literally not even having that, mm-hmm. that part of the conversation. Um, I think another big one is... Uh, the people really have a hard time communicating their needs. Mm. And this is another area where we see communication kind of breaks down in relationships where one person has a need for a certain amount of freedom or maybe a need for a certain amount of touch or it doesn't really matter. There's so many different things they might possibly need, but they're not good at communicating what mm-hmm. they are. Well, if I ask for what I wanted, you might leave me. 
And so you're kind of stuck in not asking for what you want, not getting what you want and being frustrated. Yeah. And I think a big fear, yeah, part of it might be they might leave me, but I think a big fear is, uh, well, two things. One, they might say no. Uh-huh. That's probably the biggest fear is, wow, if I actually ask for that, what if they say no? And I think maybe the the other fear that's kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum is, what if they say yes? <laughs> what what if what if my need is uh, to have a threesome mm-hmm. or to have another lover, mm-hmm. and then I don't communicate that because what if she says yes? Then oh fuck, that might actually happen. It's and getting real. It's getting real. Now what do I do? Yeah. So just the idea of uh, not being able to properly communicate mm-hmm. the, your needs in relationship. And those needs could be sexual or they could just be, I need you to, to hold me or I need you to give me mm-hmm. a certain amount of attention or, mm-hmm. and, you know, whatever it is. So also when you uh, watch TV, movies that are being done, I think you have the perfect example of what bad communication is all about. <laughs> if, you, if you're wondering, what is it really? It's like, look at everything that's being done in movies where it's like, um, I'm not sharing exactly what I want or you're saying something and I'm getting so triggered and it's escalating and it's like, like getting so big and at the end we're both so hurt and triggered and yes. You basically just described every romantic comedy yeah. ever been made. <laughs> and this is the thing, like you love romantic comedy movies, right? Because they're like cute it. and they're sweet and, you know, they're light and all that. However, they are the worst example mm-hmm. of how to communicate in a relationship that you could ever possibly watch. And yet this is how a lot of people learn how to communicate mm-hmm. in a relationship. As a matter of fact, I find that I can't even watch a lot of those movies anymore because of the bad communication. It is just painful, literally. It, it, it really is. Yeah. It, you know, this, the whole sort of sitcom uh, genre, even on TV, is based on on poor communication. Mm-hmm. In fact, if in just about every episode ever created, if people communicated in an effective manner, there would be no show. <laughs> That's true. There would literally be no show. Mm-hmm. There'd be nothing to do because mm-hmm. so, so, things would just work. <laughs> so I grew up in a family where the models that I had in terms of communications were... Um, I let's I get triggered, we don't talk, and there's this very awkward silence where energetically you're like, oh my god, this is so thick, and like nothing's being said, and you're like, oh my god, what's happening, and stuff. So that was one way of what I learned. And another way of what I learned was um, a little bit of like, I wouldn't say like screaming, but like raising your voice and becoming like a little aggressive in that in that way. And um, I found that neither of these strategies really worked out for me. So when I started in my uh, like romantic life and dating relationships, I noticed that I brought those patterns with me. And so often it would be like I would shut the door and disappear and give my partner the silent treatment. And it could go on for days. Days, it is so awful. Oh, the silent treatment is so <laughs> destructive. You know, it's one thing to to at least have some dialogue going, mm-hmm. and maybe you're not communicating uh, effectively or even compassionately, and that kind of sucks. But it's even worse when you have long, long periods stretches. of silence because it it allows so much anger and resentment to build mm-hmm. over all that time. It's very, very destructive. 
So the biggest change happened when I realized that I was doing the same patterns that I didn't like it as a kid. When I watched my parents communicate like that, I didn't like being in that type of environment. And I was like, oh my God, I'm doing the exact same thing. And so that forced me into looking like, is there another way? Is there something else out there like that I could be doing? Because this is not sustainable. It's building resentment. Uh, it's killing our sex life. It's just not bringing us closer. So it's not working. And yes, there is a better way. And we will get to that. But before we do, I want to talk about one more sort of poor communication that we see often. And that is uh, the inability to communicate one's boundaries. Mm. And we talked a little bit about this in the previous episode when we were talking about codependent relationships and codependent relationships mm-hmm. are so, uh, you know, the, sort of the basis of it is people not being able to communicate their boundaries. Um, and it's another big thing. It's, it's you might have something that you're a definite no to or a definite yes to, or it doesn't really matter what the boundary is. It's just that in so many relationships, people don't actually communicate their boundaries. And what happens, here's the destructive part. What happens is they don't communicate a certain boundary. And then the person oversteps that boundary. And then all of a sudden it turns into a giant issue and it turns into an argument. And it just sort of snowballs after that. And the person who overstepped the boundary, a lot of times is like, what the hell is going on? Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I didn't even do anything. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. And then, and then you know, at some point, maybe if if you at least have somewhat effective communication, you might get to the point where you realize, oh, okay, you had a boundary, but you never made me aware of that boundary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So that's another big mistake in the communication world. So I think the biggest things that made like the the difference for me was number one, to realize that nobody can make you feel anything but you. So I also call this self-responsibility and it's your choice how you react to things. And um, that was the biggest change to not blame somebody, be in that blame-shame game um, and taking full responsibility that, sure, I may not like the behavior, but I am choosing to react a certain way, to be mad, glad, sad. <laughs> and so that that was one of the very first steps. And Yeah. And, and before we get too much into the steps again, I know I'm keeping you all hanging. How do we fix these communication issues? <laughs> we're getting there. We're getting there. It will make more sense about how to fix the communication errors if we understand the different styles Mm. in which people communicate. So it's like, let's identify the problems. Like, here are some of the things that we see when we work with people that are examples of of, uh, suboptimal communication. Let's talk about what types of ways do people normally communicate and then what types of solutions would work for the people who have the different communication styles. So... Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you if you get on the internet and you research communication styles, you'll see some people say there's four communication styles and there's five communication styles. No, there's only three communication styles. No, there's only two communication. It's, it's a little bit all over the board, but we'll give you some generalities of what people consider to be different communication styles. So this is not an exhaustive list of different ways that people communicate, but... So the first one is one that could be falling falling into the category analytical. So it's for somebody who likes hard data, who likes numbers and facts. Basically, they really don't like it when it's vague or when it gets emotional. (laughs) 
like, give me the facts. Give me the numbers. What is it? <laughs> yeah, and they're they're very they're very literal mm. uh, people, and so if they happen to be communicating with somebody who's one of the other styles, who like basically all of their communication is metaphors and. <laughs> Well, it's kind of like this, or it's similar to that, or you know, that, that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another type would be the intuitive type, and what that means is that it's a person who likes the big picture. It's somebody who kind of avoids the detail, and you don't need things to be linear when you're more intuitive. As a matter of fact, you kind of feel things, and if there's an A to Z, you basically already are at Z. Yeah, you know, it, this is an interesting one where where we kind of pulled these styles from because there's there's more than one way of seeing the big picture, mm-hmm. and in some cases people will intentionally avoid the details, <laughs> and in some cases the details don't actually matter to them. Mm-hmm. So you know, just to use an analogy, <laughs> we always talk about seeing the tree itself or seeing the whole forest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to somebody who sees things big picture, they might see the big picture about all of the different things that are in the world that are contributing to deforestation. Whereas somebody who's only seeing the tree might be talking about the particular tree beetle that's killing a certain type mm-hmm. of tree that happens to be in this forest. And so the, the mistake is to think that the big picture person always is avoiding the details, whereas to them mm-hmm. it's like, that beetle is sort of inconsequential compared to the mm-hmm. overall big picture of everything that's happened. And by the way, I really want to clarify that there's not one style that's better than the other. It's just how you operate. You just need to know what works. And it's funny because that example, I'm, I'm more of a tree person. Kevin's more of a forest person. What I know is when we create courses together, we do things and it's like, okay, we have the big picture because it's, it's important to know where you're going. But what I see is that if I know know too much ahead of time sometimes it will stop me because I'm more of the tree so I just need to know what the next step is and for you you're kind of like you want to know all of these things ahead of time and you're not feeling overwhelmed like me as a matter of fact you're more relaxed if you have this entire full picture ahead yeah exactly and that's (laughs) that's the thing is is yes the beetle might be affecting the tree and that's not incorrect or wrong in any way it's just one piece Mm -hmm. right so it's yeah it's not to say that one is any better than the other it's it's not the typical american idea that bigger is always better (laughs) (laughs) see the bigger picture must be better and the the real important point to make here is that if you're communicating if you're a tree person and you're communicating with somebody who is a forest person it's to just understand so that Mm -hmm. you can speak more of each other's language Mm -hmm. now the example you gave you you and I, when we make courses together or any of the things that we do together, what's really kind of cool is being able to see both. Mm-hmm. Because if you only see the big picture and you don't know the details that it takes to, to you know, form the big picture, that can be a problem. Yeah. And if you only see the details and you can't see where the whole thing is going, that can be a problem. So mm-hmm. what works well for us, we, we, we take something that's a difference between the two of us and we turn it into an asset by saying, okay... I see the big picture. Here's where we're going long term. Mm-hmm. And then you can come in and say, great, to get there, we need the, these steps. Exactly. Exactly. That's totally true. And it works for us. Yeah. So what's the next one on the list there? Uh, the next one would be functional. So it's when you like process, details, timelines, well thought out plans, step by step communication, 
kind of sounds like me. I really like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, basically, it's like you're not afraid of having the details, but there's also this whole like there's a plan. And as you have a frouzy and you like to have all of these different letters, very functional, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. And again, just to relate it to maybe some of the other styles, um, for some people, knowing all of the steps and details is overwhelming to mm-hmm. them. And so that, that can be like, ah, you just fire hosed me. Mm-hmm. Right? So. Exactly. And the last one is the one called the uh, personal. And personal, it's basically you value emotional language. And what that means is that you are more interested in how people feel rather than what they think. So it's that person that's always, but how does that make you feel? <laughs> but how do you feel about that? <laughs> or like everything when they're doing something, it's it's not so much about what they were doing, it's how they felt while doing that thing. Right. It's not what are the facts of what just happened. It's <laughs> yeah. more how did you feel about feel what just I watched this and that. And it's awesome because they bring in this emotional um, component that makes us, you know, the emotional is what connects us. And so this is one thing we all have in common, needs and emotions. And so that's awesome that we get to like feel and see those feelings. And at the same time, it could be very challenging if you're very analytical and all you want is numbers and facts and datas. And you have somebody that's like all about like, I want to have feelings and emotions. (laughs) So if you know that, then you need to find a way to bridge the gap. Yeah. And I, you know, I would like to say too, about these, these different types is that you know, sometimes people move in and out of different yeah. types. So it's not like you fall, you're this one here only. Mm-hmm. You might be a combination of a couple of them in certain situations. Maybe at work you communicate one way and then at home another way. You might kind of move in and out of these. Mm-hmm. So it just is sort of a guideline mm-hmm. of some of the different ways in which people tend to communicate. Yeah, I can totally recognize myself in all of them. I have parts of all of them. And then I think it's kind of like with the love languages where there's one that's dominant where you're like, if I had to choose only one way for people to talk to me, which one would be most efficient? Mm-hmm. And then there might be one that like, okay, this is kind of my default. But then, you know, especially as you become better with your communication skills, you can go in and out of the different styles and be like, yeah, I can, I can connect emotionally. I can be rational and I can be like data oriented or detail oriented, or I can be like all intuitive. So all of this is actually, I think that's when it becomes a more like mastery when you're able to, to take the best of each one of the styles and use them whenever needed. Exactly. And I like that whenever needed part, right? Because the true mastery skill is recognizing who the person you're communicating with is mm-hmm. as far as what their style is and being able to communicate to them in a style that they can actually hear and mm-hmm. understand. Mm-hmm. And then when they communicate back, being able to actually hear and understand what they're saying, that really truly is a master skill. And it really does take practice. Mm -hmm. So let's talk now about some of the strategies. So Mm -hmm. we kind of covered what the different styles are, give you some examples of, you know, (laughs) what what styles, you know, people tend to use. So how can we take that knowledge and then make changes to the way we communicate so that we can be more effective? Yeah, and have lubricating communication. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Because, you know, we all bring it back to the bedroom, right? (laughs) 
<laughs> I think I think the number one thing is the recognition that not everybody communicates the same way you do. Mm-hmm. And this is a big mistake that so many people make. They're just like, but I just said it very clearly the way I say it. <laughs> yeah, but the way you say it may not be the way somebody else would say it or hear it, right? <laughs> so the idea is recognizing that that people may communicate differently and different strategies would be needed with different people. Mm-hmm. So I think the other skills really in our terms of strategy here is a listening skill. Listening, listening. Wait, wait. This one is so big. We have to say it again. <laughs> listening. Listening. <laughs> the key to effective communication is actually not communicating, but listening first before you communicate. Who would have thought? <laughs> you know, it means that when somebody is talking to you, you're not lost in how you're going to respond and formulating your comeback. You are actually authentically dropping into the moment and being like, how can I really understand that person and their point of view? Because it does not make you wrong to listen to somebody. It does not make them right either. There's no right or wrong. There's just curiosity. Wow, what's alive in that person? And it's like, I am listening, not only with my my ears, but my heart. And that's a skill that's being lost. Oh, it's really being lost. And and what you really see, especially when people are triggered, is they're just sitting there. Like you can see them. They're they're ready to like jump out of their chair. All they're waiting for is their opportunity to jump in and say whatever they've already pre-decided in their head, which means they're not actually listening to what the other person is saying. Um, And so you see that a lot, especially when people are triggered. But the goal really is you, you should always be listening with the goal of trying to understand mm. what the other person is saying. And that works so well in relationships. So if we take my client again, where they haven't spoken in so long, and imagine if he was to offer a place for his wife to be like, this is, you know, like you've got the floor for the next 20 minutes. I'm not going to try to fix you. I'm not going to try to change you. I just want to know what's going on for you. And then you reverse that, by the way, because men want to be heard as well. It's not just one gender. It's it's a human trait. And so just the fact of having a place where you can share where you are at will open up more like love. Yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> so the, the next strategy on the list uh really ties into that well because so if you're not sitting there waiting for the person to finish and you're not like already planning your response but you're actually listening seeking to understand and wanting to genuinely reply to the concerns of the other person that other person uh, could potentially be giving you so much information Mm -hmm that it's really actually sort of impossible for you to respond to it all or to even make sense of it. And so the second strategy um, is, you know, like what I like to say is called sort of chunking it down or breaking up your communications into smaller bits. This works really well for people who tend to be uh, like emotional communicators or uh, what we say, uh, what we call figurative communicators sometimes where they, they sort of are thinking uh, and speaking in real time and there's just this flow of thoughts and stuff that just keeps coming and the person on the other end is trying their best to listen but they're getting fire hosed by the amount of information. Slow down, slow down. So, So the strategy could literally be like, 
just breaking it down into smaller pieces mm-hmm. and giving them one piece at a time, letting them hear it, digest it, and then respond to it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, another piece. And that ties in with the other strategy of reflecting back what you've heard the person say. Oh, that's another good and one. And so by breaking it down into small chunk or taking baby steps, then the person's like, okay, I can focus, I can pay attention for these three to five minutes. And then it's like making a break, like a little pause and be like, what did you hear me say? And it's not to judge you, it's to make sure that what I said and what you heard and what you're saying are matching. <laughs> yeah, this, this is a really great strategy. And I, I can tell you from personal experience, I had a relationship in the past where I, I realized, I identified that we had very different communication styles. And it was, it was definitely causing some problems. <laughs> and so it, it really like, it sort of hit me like a ton of bricks one day that I realized that when I would say something, she heard something completely different <laughs> than what I had actually said. And, you know, this is a thing that can sometimes be subtle because you, you as the communicator can say something that you think is so clear, mm-hmm. like the words are so clear that there's no way anybody could possibly misinterpret it. But on the other end, when it gets transmitted and then heard and then processed through their own, you know, bunch of filters, all of a sudden they hear something completely different. But if you simply say to them, do you understand me? They go, yeah, I understand you. I heard it. I get it. Totally. But what they got is very likely something completely different than what you intended, uh-huh. right? And so this is where the strategy comes in of uh, saying, you know, let's say you, you take your chunk and you give your chunk to that person. And then you can simply say something like, um, I just want to make sure that, um, that um, you know, we both understand what I just said. Uh, would you repeat back to me what you heard? Exactly. But here's the key. <laughs> here's the key. If you're going to use this strategy, talk about it before you're in a situation where there's some friction. Because I can tell you the first time I tried this strategy, and I didn't, by no means did I make this strategy up. Like somebody told me, hey, why don't you try this? You know, and I thought, okay, yeah, I'm willing to try this. <laughs> so the first time we had a, a discussion where we weren't agreeing about something, I said, okay, this, this, here's my point. Here's all I'm trying to say. And then I said my thing and, and I said, okay, can you please repeat it back to me? And I said it nicely. Here's the response I got. I'm not fucking stupid, you know. I heard you. And I was like, oh, that didn't go over so well. <laughs> so the point is, if you, if you talk about the strategy beforehand when you're not in a triggered position, you say, hey, you know, I noticed that sometimes we misunderstand each other. The next time we're having a misunderstanding... Um, you know, if I say something that is really important to me, you know, I, I might ask you just to repeat it back so mm-hmm. I can make sure that we both mm-hmm. hear the same thing. That way there's no, there's no trigger in yes. that moment, you know, and then, and then when it happens, but it can be really effective because my experience the first time, once we got over the, I'm not fucking stupid thing. <laughs> and I said, no, no, it's not about that. I don't think it's that you're not capable of comprehending what I said. I just, you know, I understand that that you know, the, the transmission and the medium and all of that can affect, you know, what you receive on the other end. Um, she repeated back to me and it was literally the opposite of what I was trying to communicate. Like it wasn't just a slight like, no, 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 that's not quite what I said. It was literally the opposite. And I went, oh, now I understand why we are not agreeing. <laughs> 
mm-hmm. because we're not even hearing each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so once you're able to bridge that gap and you start to see how you can really speak in a way that both of them, both of you can hear it, then it makes it so much easier to do different action steps and to to create solutions. And so I always recommend too, as one of the strategy is like Kevin was saying, like, don't do it when you are charged up. Don't wait to communicate when you're in the middle of lovemaking and you've never talked about your likes or dislike or what you wanted. Make a date to talk about things. Make a, a desire date where you make it a point to sit hey, naked on the couch and just like talk about things you like. Because like, everything's better when you're naked. <laughs> Yeah, totally. But maybe that's just us. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, obviously, if you can schedule something, that's great. If you can say, hey, let's sit down and make it a point to talk about a certain subject, mm-hmm. that's great. But sometimes things come up in the middle. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it needs to be dealt with right here and now as best we can. So, you know, we like to give everybody listening as many tools mm-hmm. as possible, you know, whenever we're discussing this kind of stuff. And, there is somebody that um, we've worked with before um, that, that we think is great, and um, uh, he teaches something that I think is really valuable here, so I would love to pass that along, mm-hmm. and that's... Um, Compassionate Communication, uh, Scott Cadamus, that taught us a really cool um, exercise of the green light, yellow light, or red light. Exactly. And so what I love about this, and I'm going to try to wrap it up quickly because we're coming to an end, but I want you to have that, is, okay, so imagine you're talking, you're having a discussion, and then you're noticing, are you in a green light mode, which means everything goes, everything flows, you're open-hearted, and so you can continue discussing and having a chat. Or are you starting to be in yellow light and there's a trigger, there's something. You're not yet like I'm going to explode. This is like red light, but yellow light. Yellow light is like, oops, I'm not so much listening with my heart anymore. I'm starting to make judgments, to be resentful. So calling it and noticing I am in yellow light. So either like, hey, I'm starting to get triggered. Let's... um, pause this for a second, or I'm acknowledging that I'm starting to get triggered. I don't want to get mad. So let's, you know, like see if we want to change it or do something about it. And usually that's when you want to stop, but sometimes you don't and you get into red light. And red light is when you cannot authentically care for the other person anymore. Red light is, you know, when you can't look them in the eyes. When you can't have empathy or care for what they're going through. And all you want is, I... I felt I felt heard it, but I didn't get this, and I didn't, and I, you know, and or you did this, and you did that, and and I'm a poor like me, and that's you know, you're really in that victim mode here. Yeah, the, the the key to the red light is you know you've reached a red light when you realize that you're not actually making the situation any better. You're yes. actually making it worse. Mm-hmm. And so the key to the red light is you 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 call a red light and you say you know what we're not making any progress here. We need to stop. We need to go to our separate corners. We need to cool down, right? We need to to um, release the triggers yes. and then come back when we can actually yeah. do something productive so here it's, it's and compassionate. It's like a, a connected timeout where you agree, yeah. I cannot anymore like truly be in a space of love. So I'm going to go take care of myself. I'm going to give myself self-empathy. I'm going to go take a bubble bath. I'm going to go for a walk, whatever's needed. I'm going to blow some steam and punch on the punching bag, like whatever. So that then we decide to come back, let's say in 15 minutes, in three hours, with 
with in the intention that we will be more centered, grounded, and able to hear each other. You know, th- this is a really great tool, and I'm I'm thinking in this moment that we should reach out to Scott and have him on the show. We will have him on the show. Yeah, yes. we should have Scott on the show to to talk about some of this stuff because that would be great. Because we just don't have enough time to go into it any deeper than that. Um, <clears throat> the other tool that I would just mention very quickly. Um, some of Scott's work is is based on nonviolent communication. Mm-hmm. If you have never read Marshall Rosenberg's book, Nonviolent Communication, it really is a must as far as laying some groundwork for how to communicate mm-hmm. uh, compassionately. And the idea is, you know, it's great if you know what the styles are. It's great if you know some strategies. But the reality is, if you don't know how to be compassionate in the way that you communicate, you know, how to, to, to take the focus off of you and your trigger and your personal bullshit and realize that there's more than just you uh-huh. sitting there and how you respond has a lot to do with what the other person responds mm-hmm. back to you in. There's like the circle that goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's such a foundational piece for mm-hmm. learning how to do that effectively. And in the end, we were all just trying to get our needs met. And what you're realizing is our needs are universal. We all have the same needs, but we sometimes have different ways of getting them met. And that's where the uh, disagreement, miscommunication, communication comes up because it's our our how we get to get our needs met that differs and once you can have empathy and get you're actually trying to get to the same place than me wow how cool (laughs) (laughs) we could keep going there's more (laughs) tools more strategies we're probably going to have to do a whole nother episode on this but we are out of time i just want to wrap it up by saying you know our title was why communication is lubrication and why, like, why did we give it that title? Well, because if you can learn how to communicate effectively and compassionately, everything will be smoother. It's like the lube for your entire relationship, not just in the bedroom, but in every part of your relationship. Communication is the key. It's like, it's like the foundation of everything. If you can communicate effectively, you can handle just about anything that comes up. All right. That's it for this episode, and we will see you next time. We hope you liked this episode of the Love Lab podcast. If you enjoyed this show, leave a comment and share it with your friends. And if you want more, we have an entire digital library with the best sex tips and relationship advice at CelineRemy.com. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y.com. So join us in the sex vault to continue this adventure. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing.